Blog Talk Radio. There's a direct relationship between having the businesses and being in prison. Go find an Asian, see how many Asians you can find in American prisons. They ain't going to be in there. But 51% of your prison will be black because you don't, blacks don't have any businesses and industries. There's a direct link. Blacks won't practice group economics. Blacks won't practice group politics. If you don't practice, you're setting yourselves up. I told that five-story building. you set yourself to get wiped out. Understand the nature of race, which is economics. If you, if you build the first floor, it's economic. Build your businesses and your industries. Control buildings and industry, and put that pools in your money. And hold that money. And, it's a, and practice group economics <clears throat> with it. Arab and Asian money bounces 12 or 13 times for at least. Jewish money bounces 18 times. Black folk got to learn how to practice group economics. Black Americans spend every penny they get outside their own community. Then you take the money and the wealth that you get from that first floor and go to the second floor. The second floor is politics. You then take that money on the first floor and you control your politics. Black folk must quit allowing people to tell them to go out and vote. Vote for what? Nobody's going to do anything for black folk in politics. Politics is controlled by money. Major corporations who got the money. That's what controls politics. If you have no money, you have no say-so, you have no benefits coming. So you take your money and you control and you take your money from the first floor, you buy every politician on the second floor. And any politician you can't buy, you rent or lease them to get what you need. Then once you get the second floor under control with the politician, with your money, then you go to the third floor. The third floor is then is the police department and the court system. You take your money from the first floor and your politics on the second floor and you control the court system and the police department. Then the fourth floor, you t- the fourth floor then is media. You then take the money that you generate off the first floor from business and industries <clears throat> and you go after radio stations, TV stations, newspapers, and cable systems so that you can now inform and communicate with your own people. Right now, <clears throat> black folk only control less than 35 thousandths of 1% of the media in the United States. Out of 12,000 radio stations, black folk own about something like about 75 or 80. That's all. You own no cable systems. You don't have a daily newspaper. You have nothing of importance. You don't. You got about one black TV station. And you, so you can't communicate with your people. You can't inform your people. You can't do anything. You can have Rush Limbaugh and all the rest of the guys talking about racism all day long and bad-mouthing you and O'Reilly. They can talk, call black folk all kind of names all day long. What are you going to do? You can't respond. You can't even communicate with your own people because you, you don't have an economic base. 51% of all the prisons in the United States are black people. You know, even though you only make up 12% of the population. That's no accident. It's because you don't control the economics and the politics. And they're going to go after the weakest people they can get their hands on to incarcerate. That's the black folk. And what are you going to do in response to them when they, when they, over, when they, when they over incarcerate you? You're going to go out and have a march or demonstration. We're going to march. March for what? Who cares? Marching never changed anything.
And today on It's My House, our podcast is titled Egypt 3.0 versus The Promised Land 3.0. Live stream number 619-768-2945. And putting that song, Running From the Devil, in context, we're going to put it in context with our title, Egypt 3.0. And the Promised Land 3.0. We're, we're going to point that out because, it, in terms of 2.0, I mean, excuse me, uh, 2018, the years 2018, 2019, and beyond. Hopefully, not too far beyond, but beyond. Um, the police shootings. Unarmed people, gentrification, a lot of social problems. To many people, that's their devil that they're running from. They're running to save their lives. They're running to two, three jobs so they can keep a roof over their head, food on the table. The devil can take form in many ways, and many people are running from it. So we're going to talk about how you can stop all that running and get into your promised land. And basically, Egypt represents the devil. Egypt represents the government. Egypt represents an unsustainable 
situation. But we're going to tie it into contemporary times and whatnot. Now, we have a guest that should be coming. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to see if I can track down that guest. And um, we're going to uh, going to play this one last musical interlude. Hopefully our guests will be here, then we'll get into Egypt 3.0 versus the Promised Land 3.0. People keep talking about how the world is going to come to an end. And I wonder, in these days, in these times, if anybody... keep talking about how society is falling down today. And as hard as I try not to listen just to what them folks got to say. But you know, I just can't help but look around and see we digging our own grave. And there's just one thing I want to know. Can anybody be saved? Everybody's gonna be saved. 
Okay, we're back with Egypt 3.0 versus the Promised Land 3.0. I got people bothering me this morning. Um, let me see. Um, I need. I need to lay. We got a guest this morning. We want to lay down the the context of Egypt 3.0 versus the Promised Land today in 2018, 2019. So, and I guess it's arrived. So, I tell you what, let me. I got. I had to check on one thing. I'm gonna take this one last musical interlude, and then we'll get into the discussion. I like it, bitch. She is true. But it's not nice to fool Mother Nature. The proud mother of God, like all hoes, is jealous of her own shadow. Who is this young decay bitch who wished to be queen for a day? Who would sacrifice the great grandsons and daughters of a jealous mother by fucking the brain? <laughs> 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 oh, I got the way I Come on now. Come on now, goddamn. Come on, can you fuck me in the room? Come on, let me do this. Come on, let me do that. I'll do that. I'll do that. It's a gross mother a luscious bitch, she is true. But it's not nice to fool Mother Nature. The proud mother of God, like all hoes, is jealous of her own shadow. Who is this young Britannic bitch who wished to be queen for a day? who would sacrifice the great-grandsons and daughters of her jealous mother by sucking their brain until their ability to think was amputated, by pimping their instincts until they were fat, horny, and strung out, and her neurotic attempt to be queen of the universe. Who is this bitch?
Okay, now we're ready. Uh, today's podcast, once again, is titled Egypt 3.0 versus the Promised Land 3.0. Now, this is not a religious uh, uh, commentary, whatever. Matter of fact, you can put on your atheist hat for today. We, we're using analogies here and relating it to contemporary times with a little bit of history to, 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 to tie things up. Now, going using the Torah or the Old Testament, going to the book of Exodus, where you had the Hebrews in Egypt. And Egypt basically, re- Egypt was a developed in today's modern 2018-2019 term, Egypt was a developed country. It wasn't third world, I mean, at that time. Because uh, we're, we're talking about this was written like in B.C., uh, written in B.C., anywhere from B.C. 165 to 1200 A.D., but the allegory might go back 5,000 years from where we are, right? where we're listening to right now. All right. So during that time period where it was written, or even before it was written, this folklore, Egypt was a developed first world country. Might not be considered that right now, but then it was. And places like El- Alexandria, was like the in, in terms of the United States or the West, some Western. Well, as a matter of fact, let's go global. It would be like a Lagos, Nigeria today, London, England, uh, Yokohama, Japan, Chicago, Illinois, Los Angeles, California, a first-class city. Okay, that's what Egypt was. And at, at that time, in, in relationship to the world as it was during that period of time. Now, as a first-class city at that time, they had entitlement programs. Today we call it slavery. They had slaves there. The Hebrews were slaves, and the slaves got their three hots in the cot. And that's what an entitlement program does. An entitlement program, EBT cards, WIC, uh, Section 8, I mean, whatever government entitled programs, basically they give you a psychological peace of mind as well as a, a, a practicality in real-life living. Of you got three hots in the cot. You don't have to worry about a place to live. You got food on the table. You got medical. I mean, all, all government programs are, you know, are different, but essentially – that's what Egypt represents. You have people that were wage slaves. We call them wage slaves today. I mean, we call them wage. We have wage slaves today. People working a nine to five, they might not want to work, and then they might have to work two or three jobs. They cannot afford to quit. They were slaves to the company. They can't afford to quit their jobs. They're wage slaves, stuck in rush hour traffic twice a day, five days a week, for 20-plus years or more, 20, maybe 40 years. That's Egypt today, all right? 
The promised land represents a place where you can be free of that type of, free of slavery, free of the government, because Pharaoh, in terms of the book of Exodus and the Torah, Pharaoh was a sense of government, which represents over-regulation, less freedom. No, you're enslaved some kind of way. You got a home, but you you really don't own it because the bankers own it because you got mortgage payments. All right, so the promised land represents back then, you know, look, if you want to leave Egypt, which means leave this government over-regulation, leave all this slavery, this drudgery, you got to go to your promised land. And some and the Red Sea represents that psychological impossible situation that you're just going to have to pass through. You don't know how you're going to get through it because you might not know how to swim. You don't have a boat. And then somebody tells you, you know, just walk forward on faith. And then some people, as it, if going to the, that story in Exodus when they were leaving Egypt. Moses was leading the people. Some of them out there in the wilderness say, you know what, we were better off in Egypt with our three hots in a cot. Wanting to rather return back to the drudgery of slavery than to be out in the wilderness headed towards it. You got people like that today in 2018. Some people are incarcerated because they want to be incarcerated. But that's a whole nother podcast. I'm not saying the majority, but they are are some, particularly as the weather gets cold and they don't have any place to stay. They don't want to go to a shelter. They go to jail. They got a heat. They got a cot. They got a shower. They got three. They got three squares a day. Three hots in the cot. And then know just what to get arrested on so they won't have to be there but so long. But anyway, so um, Egypt presents bankers' debt, mortgage payments, rent payments that you can't afford to pay, welfare, government programs, entitlement programs, and for illustration purposes, Black Wall Street in 1921 in Tulsa, Oklahoma, that section of Tulsa, Oklahoma, Black Tulsa or Black Wall Street was in Egypt. And we saw what happened when these prosperous black folk moved to the Greenwood section of Tulsa, Oklahoma at that time, which I'm calling that Egypt. They were burned, bombed, and killed and never really came back to the glory that they had. Now, 
the promised land existed at the same time geographically as that went down in Black Wall Street, a.k.a. there were 50 black municipalities in the same state in Oklahoma where former slaves started their own townships. And to this, it's been over 100 years, there's never been any violence nor racial unrest in those promised lands set up by slaves. Matter of fact, to put this in the right context so you can see this clearly what happened in Black Wall Street, what happened is some of those, matter of fact, all of those black folk that were that moved to the Greenwood area of black, what we call Black Wall Street, many of those people originally came from the black townships, not all of them, but many of them came from the black townships in Oklahoma, which was the promised land. They went from their promised land to Egypt. The Great Migration. Great Migrations 1 and 2. Let's take the first one. The Great Migration where a lot of black folk left the South and went to the North. Now, the South in the United States in many locations was Egypt. They were getting lynched, beat up, all kinds of stuff. So they moved north to, you know, Chicago, Milwaukee, you know, Boston, Rhode Island, D.C., Baltimore, Indianapolis, Cleveland. They moved north, and that was at that time their new promised land. On another scale, on a global, uh, on a hemisphere basis, the entire Western Hemisphere saw a lot of European, well, not a lot of, let's break this down, to Europeans coming from what we call today England, Spain, Portugal, and France. Primarily those, those four countries. It was a for many, a fresh start. The Western Hemisphere was their promised land. Okay, some came over for religious freedom. Of course, many came over involuntarily. But for the European, white European at that time, and some Africans, the entire Western Hemisphere, like, like 400 years ago, that was a promised land for them. No, because there was no government. Put it this way. It was wide open. The rules and regulations and the laws that were on the books in England, France, Spain, you know, where they had debtors' prisons, Portugal. You couldn't, you know, you couldn't worship the way you wanted to worship. About other things, which really has repeated itself today, but that's another podcast. The entire Western Hemisphere was wide open, no laws on the books. You can human traffic, 
See, we call human trafficking or slavery today. 400 years ago, you came over to a new hemisphere where the, where the king king's laws and law enforcement wasn't in place. It was wide open. You can do, you can rape, you can pillage, you can, because it was at the entire Western Hemisphere. This was their promised land. So we're going to say that's promised land 1.0. Okay. Um, 2.0, we'll put in the great migration for black folk. Once again, look at Black 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 Wall Street differently. Black Wall Street was Egypt. But the the fifty black townships and there were other black communities in Oak so there's probably double at it. There were at least a hundred black communities in Oklahoma that had never been to this day, over hundred years later. Never been touched by any racial unrest. That was their promised land. Let's bring this into 2018-2019. You have, uh, for illustration purposes, you have people that are living in urban, big urban areas, Chicago, Detroit. Cleveland, Ohio, could be Toledo, Ohio, um, Los Angeles, California, Miami, Florida, Orlando, Florida, Dallas, Texas, Florida, Dallas, Metroplex, uh, Seattle, uh, Seattle, Washington, take a place. That people, regardless of color, they're, they're just not living a sustainable lifestyle. Uh, they're working one, two, three jobs, and they can't afford a place to stay. Many families are living in cars. At night, many people are sleeping at the in, at Walmart in the parking lot. Those who allow it. Some do it voluntarily. Many do it involuntarily. Those people are in Egypt right here in 2018-2019. But there is a promised land that exists right now, and that's what this podcast is about. About maybe, it had to be at least three, four years ago now. Warren Houston, who's our special guest today, he did a um, teleconference on his Know Thyself uh, radio. Uh, one of his, uh, he was doing, um, I think, a Monday night conference call. And he talked about unincorporated communities and incorporated communities. He gave a little assignment on that call. I looked it up during the call, and I just saw the number of unincorporated communities. Long story short, unincorporated communities and tiny towns or tiny municipalities, there's a distinction here, but those are places where you might not have any police at all. There's no police problem. Nobody's getting shot by the police. There's your sense. It, I would, you know what I call unincorporated community in tiny towns in the United States, the real United. I can name towns you guys never heard of because no crime never, no violent crime happens in those places. 
I mean, it, people talk bad about Florida. And it, and basically, every time they do it, it's, it's just from a, a handful of places in Florida. Florida's got like 67 counties. You'll hear bad news out of the Orlando metro area, Fort Lauderdale, uh, Miami metro area, maybe Jacksonville, and, oh, and occasionally Tampa Bay. That's what, four or five areas? It's 67 counties. And in Florida, Florida to a very high degree is rural. Matter of fact, the United States of America to a very high degree is rural. When was the last time you heard of a black man getting shot by the police in Bangor, Maine? Nome, Alaska. Bumfuck, Iowa. You don't. So we're going to have Warren Houston talk about the distinction, the distinction between unincorporated uh, communities and incorporated communities, uh, which are usually larger municipalities, and the advantages and disadvantages. Based on that, before I open up the mic, then I've bought 80 acres of land in the last three years, based on what you're about to hear from Warren Houston. You can get your 40 acres. Well, if you want a mule, fine. I, I sell it for a laptop and a smartphone. But it's out here to get. So listen to what Warren Houston has to say. Guaranteed if you act on it, you're going to prosper. Uh, good morning, Warren. You there? Yes, good morning, L.A. How you doing this morning? Fine, fine. Could you tell us the distinctions between... Um, an unincorporated community versus an incorporated community. Man, I'd be glad to. I think this is a great topic, and I'm honored to have you have me speak on this uh, topic today uh, because I think so many of us, uh, as it as it as it uh, in return to uh, in respond to rather uh, what we consider police brutality and what we consider racism, I think we don't really understand what's going on. And uh, there is a difference between an unincorporated town and a, and a municipality which is uh, uh, in, which is incorporated. Every major city that you go to, whether it's Houston, uh, Dallas, or Philadelphia, or, uh, New York, somebody owns that city, and they bought a certain amount of uh, uh, acres of, of land uh, to incorporate it to make money. And so once you have a incorporated city, the person who buys all of these acres comes in and they set up a municipality. So now they bring in a police force. They bring in uh, a fire department. Uh, they bring in certain things that will help that make that town grow and control it. And so, therefore, we didn't understand the big cities. We moved to the big cities because of the attraction to it. But actually, in reality, that is putting more money in the, in the owner's pocket. This is what you call an incorporated uh, town or a municipality. Unincorporated towns is more or less the law of the West. You go out to the unincorporated town, there is no police department. There may be a sheriff. Um, for the most part, people are responsible uh, for handling their own affairs. And that's the difference between an unincorporated town and a corporated town because um, there's a couple, I can't think of the name, it's a Hispanic couple, 
in San Antonio who made millions of dollars by actually starting their own uh, garbage uh, company. And they did this because, you know, when you come to a big municipality, basically the city is in charge of getting people's trash. And you don't pay for that. You know, if you do, you pay for it in some type of bill that you don't see. But uh, this one company here in Texas, uh, this woman, she decided to go around to people in unincorporated towns and charge them to just get, pick up their trash. Because when you live in unincorporated towns, you're responsible for getting rid of your own trash. And by doing that, this woman has turned that into a million-dollar corporation uh, garbage company uh, by picking up people's trash in unincorporated towns. And so, therefore, when you look at unincorporated towns, the uh, as L.A. was ta- talking to you earlier about uh, uh, a lot of the black townships that have disappeared, this was a way. And th- that opportunity is still on the table. I think we've lost our way some kind of way by not knowing that. But that opportunity is still on the table. I was just looking at this morning when the show started while L.A. was talking, a list of uh, unincorporated towns. I want to give you an example of one of those that are on that list that I was looking at this morning. And here is a town on sale. It's called Toomsboro, Georgia. And the town is on sale for $2.5 million. It's about halfway between Atlanta and Savannah. And this one really caught my eye because this is a great spot. You know, some towns have uh, a little more... It'll be a little more challenging than others, but this is this is really a great opportunity looking at where it's placed. Uh, a guy named David Bumgarden, who's a developer in South Georgia, is trying to sell sell a town which has 700 residents. Uh, Bumgarden purchased over 50 acres from Preservationist Bill Lacato and through an auction about a decade ago. It's uh, about 19 miles southwest of Atlanta and 137 miles northeast of Savannah. Toomsboro may be ideal for a movie production company that needs a set, Lakato told the AP. Uh, Lakato said he is now working for Boom Garden to help sell the property. Lakato called it an almost complete town from the early 19th century in amazing condition. The town has an old opera house that seats 500 people, a barber shop, and a hotel with 18 bedrooms and a bath and baths built in the 1880s. Lakato said it is in in immaculate A1 condition with over $1 million in restoration work. The town has also had uh, also has an old bank with brass teller cages that is off the charts. The town also includes an op- operating grist mill, syrup mill, cotton warehouse, railroad station, and about a dozen houses. Now, that just blew me away because he actually even gives you an idea in the article what it could be used for. It could be used for a movie production uh, set, which actually brings in even more money. So, <laughs> I mean, the ideas are, are endless if we have the right focus uh, as opposed to the focus where we do put our mindset on things that are petty. Um, we have to have that eagle-eyed vision to fly over the foolishness and to see what's really going on. And so when you go back into an incorporated town and you see all this police brutality and we're trying to figure out, oh, it's racist. No, it's, it's not racist. It's money. And it's just, this is what we have to understand between the unincorporated town or the or the, or the, uh, the incorporated town or the unincorporated township. Any questions? 
no, not not on this end, uh, uh, Warren. And uh, now, it's interesting that you brought that up. There, there are towns that are available for sale. Uh, there's also uh, for a fraction of a fraction of the price that you name. Uh, mm-hmm. People, and I'm talking about on an individual basis, or sometimes you have to get some partners. Um, you can purchase several acres for, I mean, a, a ridiculous amount of money uh, because mm-hmm. it actually is less expensive to purchase rural land by the acre than it is a developed city lot in a, in a, yes. a you know a highly developed area and and, and I'm letting I'm glad the way you started out that's how the USA or any country was developed to, well not any country but Western countries at least where in this country you can you can basically purchase large tracts of land and start your own community. That's it. Uh, you you can do and you're you're right. Everybody, somebody or somebody's put like Chicago. Chicago is bought and paid for. Way before anybody who's listening to our voices right now or the sound of our voices now on a live stream and in archives was ever before our great grandparents were even thought of, much less conceived. Okay, mm-hmm. so now. You can go to a Chicago, D.C., New York, or whatever, and if you've got a substantial amount of money, along with other people who have substantial amounts of money, and form a coalition, and then you can, like Claude Anderson says, you can buy or lease the the, the politicians on a local state level, uh, then you might be able to get hire lobbyists, but that's going to be a whole lot of money. But what can Joe Blow do, Joe Average do, or Josephine Average do right now? You, you know, you can take a McDonald's paycheck. I'm serious about this, and go to certain. But there's abundance of rural areas here in the United States. Because I'm gonna put this statistic out here: seventy-five to eighty percent of the population of the United States lives on only 3% of the available land mass in the United States. Wow. There's a lot of land left out there. Out there. Next Especially time you go on, a, on an airplane and you're flying up, and, you know, if, if, if this is a clear, you, you can go a long time without seeing, you can see land, but nobody on the land. And that's from an airplane point of view. There's a there's a lot of land, so it, it and so you can put this way. If you've got this place says hand money of maybe about a thousand dollars, there's a lot of places in this country where you can buy like a hundred acres of land with like a thousand dollars down. Some of these towns. Now, LA, might, so, now that's a hundred. That that's uh, that. Well, you know what? Let's let's just really break this down. Because let, listen, let's get the people on the individual level. One acre is a football field. One acre mm-hmm. in a city like Dallas to Houston or Chicago, depending on how they have their zoning in those particular cities, you can put anywhere from twenty to forty houses on an acre. 
infrastructure and all. You know that that's you know all in that many houses on one acre is a football. You know that's the density of it. Or you can go in a rural area and buy you some acres of land or an acre and a homestead, like one or two acres, and talk about generational wealth. All right, you you got one acre. That's the let's say that's the the familiar house, and you got a garden and you still got a lot of room. And then another acre, you can just let it sit there for the next generation, just on two acres, which everybody within the side of it, if you can earn a McDonald's paycheck working the fry machine, I'm not talking about the manager's job, you can earn, you can own a couple of acres of land in the United States. And now, mind you, it's going to be predominantly in a rural area. The, 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 when you, you go to, uh, and that's what I call the promising, you're not going to pull this off in Midtown New York. That, that, that's been claimed decades ago. You can, um, like I said, you, you organize your community, and then you decide if you're going to have a police force, um, or security force, whatever you want to call it, you know, trash pickup if you want to have it. You decide how you want to live, how you want to govern yourself. And there are plenty of opportunities like that in the United States right now. So I, I recommend to some people that if, you know, if you live in, uh, let's say, San Francisco and you, you're you uptight about what you perceive as white supremacy and people getting shot, and uh, what's this one of these latest cases where the, the white police lady shot the black dude in the wrong part? Allegedly. And what, what was that, in Texas somewhere? In um, yeah. yeah. So if, 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 if you're untight, I mean, untight about living in a place like Dallas, and Dallas is a nice town, but, you know, you, you might have to go outside of Dallas by 30 minutes to an hour and purchase, you know, purchase, get homestead. Now you're going to, you know you're going to have to develop your own thing now. Now as Warren said, there's a lot of opportunities. Warren named a town that you can buy that's got an infrastructure already. What I've been doing is look, just give me the raw acres. I don't want no roads other than the road that leads to the property. I'll put in my own infrastructure, including my own solar lights. I don't want to have nothing to do with a utility. I don't want. No electric bill. I don't want no municipal water. I don't know how to harness my own. I don't want your heat. I don't want none of your stuff that's coming from Egypt. Egypt 2018-2019 with whatever you call it in your city, whatever the local electric company is right now. And I don't, I don't need your uh, police. Now, mind you, rural, there's rural crime and rural justice. That's another pocket, but the opportunities do exist out here where you can form your own community and buy it. Like I said, you can do it on an individual basis, an individual household basis, or get together with some like-minded people, buy you some makers and develop it, and that's your promised land. Okay. Yeah, you know. Yeah. 
it depends on how creative a person want to be. You know, even within the municipalities, what people are not understanding, when you see a new, a new subdivision going up, I'm talking about even inside the municipalities. What a developer has did, they came in and bought uh, so many acres of land, and then they built all these houses. And they turn around and sell it. We look at, oh, it's a new new community, and we want to move in because the houses are so beautiful. Well, that's what the developer was doing. He built up that community and put a name on it called it Riverside. And, you know, we're right. excited about, oh, it's beautiful homes over in Riverside, so we moved to Riverside. But the developer is the one that's, that's making off with all the money after he sells all the homes in Riverside and move on. So it depends on just how creative you want to be. You can buy a new house inside a municipality. You can buy some acres inside a municipality, and you can develop a community there. Or you can get out, like you say, into the unincorporated township, and you can do the same thing. If you want to develop a municipality, you can do that. You buy a certain amount of acres, and you have to be creative as to how you're going to draw attention on people to that town. And you build that town, and you are the owner of that right. town, that city. And they have them as low as two hundred and they have some towns as low as two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. And you know, you got a whole lot of people that live in a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar house with that thirty year mortgage on it. That's Egypt. (laughs) You you in slavery you are enslaved to the banker for at least thirty years. Well you can do like you said, you can take you we might have to drive 30 minutes to an hour or so from that same location, and for for $250,000 or less, and and get a whole bunch of acreages and, and do your own thing. So you're right. It, it you know it, all, it really just comes down to your creativity, mm-hmm. uh, so to speak. So there, there's a lot of opportunities out there uh, with that. If anybody's got any questions for Warren on this, like I said, I, I listen to him. Um, Man, that was at three. It had to be three and a half, four years ago when he was uh, doing that. And we, he's coming back on with No By Self Radio. We're going to have him announce that a little bit later. Let's go to the phone lines here. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, Warren Houston. 773, your mic is open. <laughs> what? I get up fool around and walk off the table from some of the folks that I've been talking about investigations in the capitalistic system for the last <laughs> 25 or 30 years. I'll be there. Yes, you finally hit the rock. Boy, and this is what we're talking about doing when you come to town, doctor. We're going to even show you what we're doing. And wow. that's the reason why I've been saying so many years that you have to be a producer. Building yes. a house ain't going to get you nowhere. Driving an hour or two hours to your job for what? You can put all of those, like we're doing, put all of those factories right in your backyard. Man, yes. Yes. thank you guys for waking, waking up the public because this is going to have to be an ongoing subject for years because our people do not have a clue of what no. I meant about having a vested interest in a capitalistic system. That's for sale. We just had a meeting the other, the other day and uh, we were talking about Detroit. 
the charter of the municipalities is already built and claimed. Yes. Go right outside of Detroit, and you can buy that land and do your own motor city. Mm-hmm. You can make your own automobile. You don't have to be buckled down to that, that nonsense. Mm-hmm. Having a vested interest in a capitalistic system is the only way to go. You know, there are some people that's going to be in California that's not going to be coming to the summit on, on uh, the 6th of this month. We're going to be talking to them on the screen because the technology has allowed us the opportunity now that we can talk to people all over America and they don't have to have their foot in the house. Mm-hmm. They, we can talk to them. We can see each other. We can we can show them what we're doing. And that's what, we, that's what we're going to be doing from people from from uh, California to New York City. That's going to be going on right here in Chicago on on the sixth of uh, on sixth of October. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm so proud of you guys this morning. I don't know what to do. Maybe <laughs> enough of our people will spread the word as to where the opportunity is at your feet, and you don't have to be worried about somebody giving you. What was I telling you? It was at the, at the, right at our feet. Already had to do bend over and pick it up. And we've been walking around talking about uh, somebody giving us reparations. <laughs> if that ain't reparation, I don't know what is. You can buy a whole city. Yes. A whole yes. city. Motown. Mm-hmm. How come we can't take that little town that's for sale and buy it and then make Motown out of it? Tell me how come mm-hmm. we are doing that. And tell me mm-hmm. how come we don't have our own McDonald's on a worldwide system? Mm-hmm. We, we got some of the best cooks in the world. Well, you know, a lot of these towns, a lot of these towns are communities that people can start. And we're, we're talking about, you can talk, something as simple as like one acre. You can turn those communities into, matter of fact, I'll give you a good example. The um, Some of the Native American tribes, they have... Um, Community-based businesses, in in the form of casinos, golf courses, resorts, whatever. That's a community-based business which supplies income to that particular tribe of Native Americans. And some of those Native Americans just get a check every month. They don't even do any work. All right. So that same concept of setting up a a, a, a company town or a community that earns income. Or company town, whatever you want to call it, that though, like like Warren said, it really comes down to imagination. You know, there's a whole lot of things that we can. It can be as little as one acre. And like I say, if you don't want to deal with other people, if you want to deal on a solo basis or like a man and wife basis or something like that, keep it small like that, keep it on the family. You can do that too. But there's a lot of opportunity right now uh, to set up. Um, uh, to set up shop the way you want to, to have the level of freedom uh, that you want to. It might not be utopia, but you know you don't have to worry about a situation that happened in Dallas or what happens in a lot of a lot of these high-profile stories. Um, you know, because you you won't have a George Zimmerman living in Bowley, Oklahoma, or someplace like that. Won't happen. Um, there won't be nobody. It's, 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 
just a totally different dynamic. Like I say, not you, not utopia, but totally different ni- dynamic. One reason is because typically in these un- unincorporated communities, everybody knows everybody. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these places, you don't even have to lock your door at night. So, um, it, 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 you know, if it, 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 uh, for people that need a fresh start, uh, maybe, I mean, guys, like Warren, you listen, you said Warren, it's all up to your maintenance. You can live in the, it's all right to live in the Dallas. Maybe you want to have part of a community, have an acre to yourself or your family out in a, in a rural area with a cabin out there, and you rent the cabin out via Airbnb for extra income. You know, so it's only limited, like you said, it's only limited to your imagination of what you can do with with, with uh, this concept. But that that's what I call Promised Land 3.0. All right. Oh, and for, for the Black Wall Street people, now remember now, at the same time Black Wall Street went down, those of the wealthy black folks, they moved to Egypt from their promised land. Just think about that. Think that 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 applies to this day. Do not move to an area that is that you that would be classified as in Egypt, which is government overregulation, less freedom, and then people don't like you. That's what happened, to, and people can call and comment on this, at the root, on a spiritual basis and on a practical basis, these wealthy black folk moved from the promised land to Egypt and got roasted. That's what really happened with Black Wall Street. That's right. At least that's the It's My House version. You know, but, uh, um, One thing I like to add, I hate to use such a tragic situation, but I'm using this situation so people can understand. Look at Jim Jones and the Guyana tragedy. Now, what did Jim Jones do? Jim Jones was a preacher in California. Right. He convinced over a thousand members of his church to move down to Guyana, South America. What did he do? He went down there and he bought some land, and they built their own community. That's all that was. No different than anybody else can do. Anybody can do it. I can do it. You can do it. We can do it collectively. That's what's great about America and the freedom that most people don't understand that other people have, don't have in different countries. I think America is a great country in spite of its uh, past, in spite of the horrific things that we as a people have to suffer, in spite of all that. This is a great country, and I love capitalism because you have that freedom and authority to do it if you so choose. If you don't do it, it's on you. This is the point we're not right. looking at. This is what we're missing. Hey, Alan, Alan, yeah. Alan, that, that preacher, the black preacher, that didn't take his, that didn't take his congregation and kill him. Well, in Alabama, what was his name that we were talking about just the other, the other day? Yeah, I know you're talking about... Um, but I, 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 his name is Yeah, he he's a black preacher that he did the right thing. Jim Jones was he was crazy. Beautiful concept that he had, and they they built houses. But they, he was he was on the deep end, and these black folks believed him. But the point is, they built the community. 
this black preacher in our lifetime, I'm not talking about way back when, in our lifetime, took his congregation, took a welfare check, and built a community as to where everybody had an income. Everybody. I went over, I parked my truck and went over there to see what was going on because one of my uh, fellows here in Chicago told me about him. And I was trucking over the road, and I had an opportunity to go through there, and I stayed overnight because the opportunity is in your face. Capitalism, if you don't have a vested interest, go buy you some land. Have a vested interest in the capitalist system, and that money will actually be made for you. Now, Pleasant, before we got some other calls, I want you to comment on this now. We've had the mayor of Bolsey, Alabama. Bolsey, Alabama is a, a, a black township in Alabama. The mayor of that town, we've had on this podcast at least twice, he moved from Los Angeles, and he's got like 20 acres in Bolsey. Pleasant uh, turned us on him. We've had him on twice. And then, Pleasant, you're currently working on uh, a project in an established black township uh, and people, it doesn't have to be a black township demographic. The opportunities are there all through the United States. You can, whatever kind of community you want, like Warren said, in your imagination, the land is being developed. But uh, uh, before we go to the next caller, tell us what you're with us, what you're doing, uh, uh, what, what uh, the two, uh, at least one, one or two places you found in Oklahoma, um, Illinois. Well, well, we've got we've got uh, one township that we're working on that we are actually uh, after the sixth of uh, after the sixth of uh, October we're going to be moving in with uh, I would say fifteen we've got fifteen so far fifteen factories to do the producing the products that we're using and a restaurant all of these things that we have already given and be a movie into Pembroke, Illinois, to, to implement all of this stuff that we have been buying from other folks so that we can have our own economic strain and get out from under the purchasing of, and the, the other thing is, purchasing product from somebody else, you have to pay their price for it. When you produce it, you put your price on it. And then you can then you can control your community. We've got a lot of things that we're going to be doing because we're creating our own system. And Matthew was talking about this town, this town uh, ship that's for sale that, that Warren is talking about that we can buy. Now, we need to buy that as soon as possible. We need to hook up and buy that and pool our money, create our banks, create our financial institutions, and invest in that so that we can have our own movie theaters, have our own, uh, uh, what's this thing that's together in Oakland and California. We don't have to be buying down under those folks. And then we need to create our own airports to where we can fly a product from one state to the other, back and forth. A lot of people ask me, why are you trying to spread out so thin, players? I said, well, I'm spreading that. The uh, uh, opportunities out so that we don't become another wall, Black Wall Street. So if you hit one, and we understand that there's some 
people that don't like us, but you have to position yourself to where you don't get the story out at one day. You have to. So it's so much that we can do together, but it is hard to do by yourself. I have worked on this for the last 25 years. And, you know, I've been on this show for many a time, and there's some people that I've talked about capitalism and, and best interests and all that other stuff in the, in the capitalistic system, and they thought I was crazy. No, I'm not crazy, but I am working to educate black folks, especially black folks, so that we can get about the business of leaving some generational wealth to our children. That we have not done. We don't have a, to my knowledge, we don't have an international black bank in America as of yet. But we will have, this time next year, next year when we're on this phone, we will have a bank to where we can make deposits, make withdrawals, have some, make, make loans. We will have that under our administration. Our, 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 our black administration, we don't care if we're partnering with somebody else to look like us, but we won't be bound to be subject to stuff out there telling us what we can and can't do, what we can and can't buy with our money. That's the reason why I'm spreading it out across the country. We've got places, what, in, uh, I don't know how many states, about 14 different states right now. And we got two branches out of the country, one in Africa and one in, in, in Jamaica. So, yeah, okay. the, opportunity, the opportunity is right at our feet. All we got to do is bend over. And, and I like the way you guys are, are putting it out because I get emotional and I get all my <laughs> mixed up. <laughs> well, before we go to the next caller, just, just another because, like I said, this podcast is settled. Egypt 3.0 versus Promised Land 3.0. Going back to Black Wall Street, but uh, back in 1921. Now that was that was developed by old. Uh, let's see, um, O. W. Gurley. He purchased 40 acres of land. Okay, purchased 40 acres of land, and then he sold the uh, he sold the lots off to you know. Uh, the black folks that that made up the community of Black Wall Street. That was on 40 acres. Now, like I said, we all know that there was uh, through a land ruse, because really it was a land grab, the way I look at it, because uh, they came in, orchestrated, they bombed, uh, they looted, pillaged, shot, killed, all that. And that 40 acres really never developed back to where it was at its peak in 1921. Now, as I already stated earlier, there were other, there were at least 50 other black municipalities in Oklahoma. But like I said, now that was on 40 acres. Now there was another person that you can read about. This person, he was black too. Uh, the school that we're opening is is Jake Rector Energy Academy. Uh, the and the Jake part is named after. He, he, there's a book about this guy, Jake Simmons Jr. Jake Simmons Jr. and his family, they were he was an oil baron, an oil tycoon, a black oil tycoon. His family was in the oil and ranching. They owned 
mostly in Oklahoma, a thousand, at least a thousand acres of land. Nobody bombed their place. Nobody robbed them. Nobody killed them. Why? Because they were in their own promised land during Jim, the Jim Crow area of the United States. Once again, if you move to Egypt out of your promised land, you're going to have some problems. Let me jump in there for a second. Maywood, okay. Maywood, Maywood, Illinois. You can pull this up on your, you can pull this up on your phone or computer, or whatever. Maywood, Illinois, right today is having a problem. People getting fifteen hundred dollars a water bill. Now, the supplier of supplying the water to that city, Maywood, Illinois, is a black town, right here in Chicago. It's about uh, thirty minutes from where I live. West on interstate, west on interstate, ah, uh, shucks. But just west of downtown Chicago. Anyway, they, people out there, including the water commissioner, has gotten a $1,500 monthly water bill. Now, why would, I, I tried to talk to the mayor, and some of my people has called the mayor. We couldn't even get the mayor to talk to us. Couldn't get the mayor of that city less than well about two years ago now to talk to us about building industry. That city does not have a grocery store. And we wanted to open up a grocery store out there and she ignored us. So what do you do with people that's elected to office that won't even listen to you because they are in a in a incorporated municipality? What do you do with them? You brought them out of office. But my, mm-hmm. my yeah, you don't have to vote them out of office. Move out the city out to an unincorporated area and build your own and let them sit over there and starve to death. That's, that's, that's mm-hmm. right. You, you ain't got to protest. You ain't got to go through no tax thing and all this other crazy stuff. Move out the city and, bank and build your own industry right outside of the city. Just all you got to do is go cross. You, you know what? I'm glad you brought that up. You're right, Francis. Like, you take the Mike Brown, you know, after the people are protesting. They, now, how long do those protests go on? <laughs> that was like, like, three months at least. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, it's. With all that, take an hour or two, or look, an hour to go outside the city limits. Find you some, a rural patch of land, okay, find something you want to buy. Let, let's call it a day trip. Let's say you spend eight hours total, you know, driving, looking around, finding some negotiating. Come, so that's eight hours there. Find you a patch of land uh, and, and instead of all this, this, this protesting. It, 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 that's uh, anywhere. I wanted to add to that piece if you if you got time before you go to the next, the next yeah, call. Yeah, sure, I do. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, uh, what was that town Mike Brown got killed in? Like, what was the name of it? Uh, Ferguson, 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 Missouri, right outside of uh, uh, St. Louis, Missouri. 
And again, it goes back to the creativity. I mean, you can, we, we've talked about unincorporated towns, but it's hard to get away from the politics of it if you're not in a, The Ferguson, the majority of Ferguson was African American people. The sad part about it is that they were not running that municipality. Why were they not running that municipality? And when it goes back to politics, and this is the thing, the majority of African Americans vote against their own interests, and they don't understand why they're having so many troubles, even in the municipalities. You have big government on the left, and you have big corporations on the right. And I don't know, if I have to go between the two, I think I would prefer big corporations over big government because Coca-Cola cannot come to my door and come in my house whenever they please and just disrespect me and violate all all of my rights. Coca-Cola can't do that, but big government can. And what people fail to realize, again, as we look at this corporation, the United States of America is not a country. Your country is America. The United States of America is a corporation itself. So if it is a corporation... Everything else, the state of Texas is a corporation, the city of Houston is a corporation, and so you you ought to look at, you ought to vote in your interest as far as uh, giving the power to the people to be more responsible for themselves as opposed to big government and trying to make everybody equal with everybody because everybody's not going to see that the same way. If I work and I've done more, why do I need to take what I've, I've got and give it over to somebody else? So this is this is the responsibility. Even if we live in a municipality, we need to understand the voting, uh, how we're voting, and why we're voting, and how it's going to affect the community that we live in. Because the majority of us, we we vote against our own interests, and then we we wonder why. We sit back and wonder why we're in the predicament we're in. We march, we protest, and don't realize that we've caused our own problems. Yep, that's right. But, you know, those, the people in Ferguson, Missouri, because, like I say, it was 70% black at the time of Mike Brown's mm-hmm. uh, passing. But mm-hmm. they had a, the, the critical mass of blacks that lived in Ferguson, probably still to this day, had an Egypt state of mind. Yes. Darren Wilson represented Pharaoh, mm-hmm. Egypt. The city council mm-hmm. basically represented Pharaoh. Let, 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 let me jump. Let me jump in there for a Let me tell you how this came about for slavery. If you would read, take your time and read the William Lynch letter and who had trained our people to be where they are today, it is the mothers of all of our people today. For those who listen to their mothers, because their mothers was trying to keep their kids from being killed and enslaved. Read the Willie Lynch letter and understand how this came about. It's right there in your face. Then you can go right. read and then you go and read uh, uh, my website. Three hundred and some years later I wrote a I wrote a rebuttal to that system that Willie Lynch set up. And that Willie Lynch letter is still working today in politics and across the board. And we done, and we done broke, we're breaking it down so that nobody will have any reason to not to understand and believe what we are saying. A lot of people say, oh, Willie Lynch, that was back in the day. Shit, Willie Lynch is alive today in America. 
Yeah, and that's true. That's I, true. Let's go. Let's go to our next call before we run out of time here. Uh, well, wait a minute. Oops. All right, oh, that, but that's we. Uh, let's see. Three fourteen area code. Your mic is open. Well, well, well. How you guys doing today? Good, good. I've been trying to work and listen at the same time. You know, Warren, when you was here, we took a tour of uh, first. Yeah, we and did. I had forgot. I had forgot about it, and uh, and uh, you just brought it back to my memory. But uh, that town, uh, you know, I'm gonna tell you something, fellas. The people that you make a reference to, in a general perspective. They're not going to do that. I mean, because they just don't have the capability of doing it. And capability being skills, the heart, the desire. Uh, you may see some efforts, survival efforts, that will come about. And they may include having to chase squirrels down and kill them and fry them up. <laughs> but... Uh, that's going in order to get that type of action out of uh, a people. You got to create them people. I mean, it's just like India did with their information technology schools that they created back in the 1940s, the late 40s. That is because I mean, just think about it. If you sit something down and leave it. And you come back, nothing ever happened, nothing ever happened, nothing ever happened. That's because where you set it and where it is, there's nothing there to develop that thing you set down to whatever you want it to be. And uh, that's just the, the reality of it. So until we start creating more, I ain't saying we, until there's more individuals, and, and, and there have been good examples. And you know, here's another thing I want to make reference to. When people hear probably hear me discuss things I'm not negating the fact that all these things that uh, we hear uh, I hear individuals still bringing up today didn't happen yes there was riots in the United States that uh, white groups portrayed upon blacks in Pacific Uh, they portrayed upon the Chinese out in Washington State and in the Northwest and in uh, in Florida, they portrayed it upon certain groups, including blacks. I'm not d- diminishing that those things didn't happen. But some people, to me, seem like they linger there. And especially when you uh, make that known to the greatest extent to young people, it puts a barrier, I think, in their psyche. Now, just like uh, L.A. just made mention of Jake Simmons. Mentioning Jake Simmons would get you ridiculed. Well, he was just one. You know. And they let him, talking about Annie Malone, oh, they didn't bother her. They let her go. I mean, they said that. So that's a bunch of bull crap. And I always make, I always say that, you know, you tell both sides of the story. Because uh, everybody did not, you know, me, myself, some of the things I hear people talk about and complain about, and honest to goodness truth, I have never experienced that. Heck, I only had one 
I haven't had a traffic violation since the 1970s, and that was on a motorcycle. And when uh, I took a double a stack uh, barrel 38 Derringer and set it up on the on the cowl of my motorcycle, and the state trooper came up there. I know he's seen it. He just asked for my driver's license because in Missouri you could carry open in your car, and uh, he gave me a, a citation for whatever I was doing, and that was it. But no, uh, there's so many opportunities that's coming about today, uh, and I keep complimenting on this president. This president is doing some good things, Warren. Uh, I think I sent you an article where it talked about how America's ports has to be modernized. Yeah. And I sent you another article which was talking about the tariffs that uh, Trump has imposed on imports. And it talked about the state of Virginia, how they're uh, starting to modernize their ports, and they wanted to buy these uh, ships to port, I'm sorry, ship to uh, land gantry cranes that was made in Shanghai. And Shanghai has got to raise the price on because of the tariffs. Well, I'm saying that the aid that we give to Shanghai, take that aid dollars and use it as grants and startup money and let American manufacturers start manufacturing these cranes. The hell Mm -hmm. buying them from Shanghai. That's the way that's making America great again. Right, right. I mean, think about that. Why are we buying gantry cranes? And you know what? I'm working with some African, some people from African countries. And I'm telling them the same thing. Rather than going to people and seeing what they got for what you need, you go to them and tell them what you want. Because people would tell people if people could get away with it, they would sell you rotary telephones. In a, in a minute, because there's a lot of them still left over somewhere. So, uh, about all I can say about that, uh, you're talking about the, the promised land and and Egypt is a good analogy. Except Moses was done as hell. Let, 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 let me add into that. You're absolutely right because you have some people out here, and I've been guilty of it myself when I was younger, that you can get. Let's, let's go back to Kirby. Okay, you have a lot of people. Let, let's say you go back to Ferguson and people were marching them, protesting them. Mike Brown was done wrong and this, that, or the other. And however, if you try to organize them past the marching to drive 30 minutes to an hour outside of Ferguson to a rural area and buy some land and start their own thing, then you're going to see the Egypt, a.k.a. slave mindset, rise up out of the Because yeah. in Ferguson, or St. Louis, or any metropolitan city like that, there's comfort and convenience. Some comments that you're going to hear, well, you know what? I won't be able to get my welfare check. If I live outside this particular location, so I'm not going to come out there. So you, 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 you're right. You're going to get some resistance, and don't fall in love with your people to the point. Because look what happened to Moses. Moses saw the promised land, but he didn't reach there. 
The moral to the story is if you mess around with, I'm not going to use the N word. If you mess around with slaves, you're going to miss your promise. Look what happened to Jesus. You can say he's a fictional character. It doesn't matter. He got hung on the. None of those yeah, people that he healed or whatever, none of them were able to save. Mm-hmm. So when you go to your promised land, like I said, you might have to do this on an individual basis now or a family basis. Mm-hmm. Start with yourself and your family and keep it like that, and you're good for this lifetime. That's all I'm saying. Well, you know, if you draw a, if you draw a land, I'm sorry, if you draw a line in the dirt, and on the other side of the line is freedom. The people that you wouldn't refer to by name with the letter N would get to that line and would come up with all kind of reasons not to cross that line over into freedom. And that's just the way they are. As a matter of fact, even when they... I've heard excuses like they they put it on astrology. Uh, This is not the right month or the time of year that... I think we've all heard some. I mean, even in the slave my, narratives, you had you had a slave or two that said they didn't want nothing to do with this thing called freedom. When you when you read them, there's there's accountings of that. So anyway, yeah. only thing I can say is that the you know we have the pieces. I mean, the pieces exist to do great things with. It takes organizations to put those pieces together and do what it is that you have to do. Uh, information that Warren has is invaluable uh, information. Uh, your dedication. With, right. You know, speaking of which, uh, uh, before we go to our next call, Warren, now you, you're uh, relaunching uh, Know Thyself Radio. Uh, can you give us an update on that? Yeah, we're going to relaunch Know Thyself Radio uh, Sunday, October the 7th, uh, 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. We're going to relaunch it. We're going to be back on the air. So uh, I'm looking uh, forward that, to it. Same time, Sunday nights. Sunday nights, 8 p.m. Central. So that's uh, okay. 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern, and 6 p.m. Pacific. Hey, hey uh, Mike, you really gives out that information, folks. As a matter of fact, this podcast really emanated out of that because I just basically paid attention to what he said one night on on a conference call. Uh, which was free and mm-hmm. just acted on it and did research. And I just found, man, it, the real United States is outside these big metro areas. Mm-hmm. Pianchi, yeah, I, I just like to add to what Pianchi was saying, you know, as he was saying about this. And, 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 and we did. We went to Ferguson. I had, a, I had a nice time with Pianchi when I was up there in St. Louis. And, you know, I really understand that those people – don't have that mindset. I just made that analogy for people to understand how we look to the rest of the world. You know, sometimes I wonder, you know, Booker T. Washington, in my opinion, from what I've studied in history, laid the foundation. You know, he, he, he started at such a uh, school, Tuskegee, to get us in the creative mindset of having our own. But he also had a nemesis at that time named W.E.B. Du Bois. And my opinion, the reason why we so screwed up right now is because of W.E.B. Du Bois. Um, <laughs> you know, Booker T. Washington is called by the majority of black folks today an Uncle Tom, a coon, because of the Atlanta Compromise. But if you go back and look at the Atlanta Compromise, Booker T. Washington was a very wise man. He was looking down the road 
when he told black people, look, cast your buckets down. In other words, what he was trying to tell black folks at that time, we're just 50 years out of slavery. You're not ready to compete with these people. You know, you're not ready to let them have the politics let them until you can learn how to till the ground, until you can learn how to become independent for yourself. You're not ready to compete with these people. But what he did understand, that if people of color would take the time and learn the skills, it would call time. The race wouldn't matter because the person would be so skilled. When it comes to when somebody needs them, they're going to look past that. <laughs> Especially if there's nobody else to fulfill that need. It, it, it doesn't become a thing of color anymore. It becomes a thing of need. And so they're going to pay for that services. That's how we were supposed to move into out of slavery, up from slavery, into to, into society. But we were sidetracked by a brother called W.B. Du Bois, who started the NAACP, who talked about the talented tent. And I laugh because most people who quote W.B. Du Bois don't even realize that you had to be in a certain category of black folks to even deal with him. And if you weren't, he looked down on you himself. So we, we have to understand these things. If we don't, we continue. Then again, maybe it's like L.A. State. You brought up some valid points, though, when you talk about Jesus, because the very people he tried to save, and it'd be a fictional story or not, the very people he tried to save were the same ones that killed him. And so on. Right. Let me jump in that for one second. I'll be right out. Look, we got a situation with with, uh, Aretha Franklin here just, just the other day. In her field, how many millions of dollars did you see portraying around her guests oh, and trying to get in the camera? Now, wait a minute. Now, here's people from all over the country that were trying to get in the, in the camera so that they could be seen and sit over at the wedding, not at the funeral. Now, let's look at the $80 million that, that, uh, that she left when she died. And let's take and look at what you said that city is for sale for, and she was in Detroit doing entertainment. Where could we be today with a vision to make that the headquarters of entertainment for our people? How many jobs would that create? A vested interest with everybody having an opportunity. As you were saying earlier, it all hinges on how far your mind can go. But now, let's look at something else. How many of those people that was portraying, running around in her funeral that were preachers, that had no vision? How many, how many uh, millionaire marches have we had and haven't built nothing? Dr. King was killed 50 years ago, and how many caskets have we built? The only person that I know that's building in a casket is in Texas, in, in Houston. There's a black man in Houston that's building caskets today. He and I are the only people that I know that's doing manufacturing. So that's my, that's my little short gift that I wanted to lay out there and let people know that's listening that there are a few of us are still trying to make it happen. I'm, I'm, okay, I'm before we go to the next caller, uh, thanks, Pleasant. Before we go to our next caller, 
uh, um, not the DB book, or, uh, 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 the uh, Booker T. Walsh in the book, Up From Slavery. I believe that the Asian community has read that book because they are basically taking that information with their Chinatowns, their businesses. I think the Latinos are read it too with the building trades, housekeeping trades. Uh, and the Japanese who were, they had internment camps, and they got reparations through the Civil Liberties Act of 1988. So I, I, I can't prove it, but I believe they had meetings where they read that book and they acted on W.E.B. divorce board. I mean, not W.E.B. But, uh, Booker T. Washington's divorce. They got the economics together first, and then went after the politics. Uh, let's go to 410. Um, 410 area code, your mic is open. Good morning, Brother L.A. How you doing? Good morning. How are you? Uh, first, I want to give uh, honor to the uh, Honorable Pleasant, Stephens, because he's a lone voice in a wilderness of confusion, and he keeps his focus on what it takes to make his people free. So I just want to give him his flowers while he's, while he's living. Uh, Carter G. Wilson said, if you train a man, if you control a man thinking, you don't have to worry about his actions. And uh, I just want to say that for the last couple of weeks, you have really brought out the best in our people as far as thinking goes. Um, I also want to give credit to uh, Piaki. I don't usually agree with some of the things he says, but he was absolutely brilliant yesterday. You know, we need more of that kind of thinking from him, you know, from here on out. But the thing I want to say is this, what you've demonstrated is, oh, and I want to give you credit, too, because you've you've provided fertile ground for fresh thought and a new vision. But, you know, when our people are separated from all of the isms, that has poisoned our thinking, conservatism, liberalism, democratic, republican, uh, Christian, Muslim, Hebrew, Israelite, and whatever else you can come up with. And we get in a room somewhere, and we look at what we need and what it takes to get there. You know, we would be a people that would be unstoppable. But, you know, when we bring all of this other stuff in with us, it stops us from getting to where we need to go. And I, you have demonstrated that for the last couple of weeks. And that's something that really needs to be done because what you provided here really is a think tank where people right. can voice ideas as long as they keep the crap out of the conversation. And I just want to apologize. I just want to uh, uh, give you a congrats- congratulations on that. But to the topic, you know, a guy used to come on uh, radio when I was living in the D.C. Washington area, and they used to really, they used to really get upset when he called. And he says one of the main problems of black folk is we don't control the space we occupy. And with that being the case, we don't take advantage of the opportunities that is in front of us because, and I get it, I give you this over and over again. Number one, we don't we don't organize around our identity. 
And when you don't do that, you don't concentrate on those five things that I told you about. And the other thing is, we don't practice self-preservation and survival of the fittest. When we don't put those principles in order in front of and put that on the table to control our conversations and what we need to do, we'll confuse people. And what I want to ask the attorney is, with these incorporated communities and unincorporated communities, can a trust be set up to control that land area that is unincorporated or if you're in a in an incorporated area, set up a trust amongst people to control whatever they need to control in the space where they occupy. Trust is one of the first forms of law. Trust, basically, looking at the Old Testament as opposed to the New Testament, which deals with civil law, which people of color seem to be trying to reach, civil rights, <laughs> for some reason. But at any rate, uh, yeah, you, can put, you can put anything in a trust. That's not a problem at all. You have a right uh, under the Fourth Amendment to contract. And so this is where, if you want to talk about the government, this is where we make a lot of mistakes. We go to the government for everything. We go to the government to get married. And you can do that yourself through a contract. So, yeah, it can be put in a trust. Connie, uh, before I lose my thoughts, and I'm sorry I'm interrupting I, I got to piggyback on something that you said, and I, and I want you to keep on emphasizing it because you never say it too much. I, I, it really needs to get out of here. Because the way you put it today, it's, something went ding in my mind. We need to organize around an identity. Now, I, when you said that today, I thought automatically Chinese folk or Chinese or Asian, well, for the sake of simplicity, Chinese who they have they took something as simple as cooking, like you said, we gotta eat. They took something as simple as cooking, and they dominate. At one time, with uh, with Chinese laundry, I mean, with Chinese and Japanese, you know, they were they were known for you have send your laundry to them. They organized right, like you said, around around the identity. And a lot of places around the United States, you've got Little Italy. Once again, that's organizing around uh, their culture of cooking. Now, in our community, we we got a rich culture. But, well, anyway, that's another podcast. I, I just, I had to hey, you got Chinese down in Baton Rouge fixing uh, soul food. But I'm going to make a comment to Kami. You know, about three or four or five weeks ago, you was calling me Coon. Uncle Tom and the the, the big picnic in the world. Hang on, hang on. But see, you based it on what you heard me saying rather than asking yourself why I said it. And people do that. It's not what a person does. It's why they do it. And people never can elevate themselves to that. Just like uh, L.A. made comment that... Uh, Booker T. Washington was given those same attributes by those who, who was jealous of his ability to organize. A.G. Gaston was given those same attributes because uh, he didn't like the idea of using kids in the way they was using in the Montgomery bus boycott, even though 
out of his pocket came over three hundred thousand dollars to bail out from jail the very people that was calling him Uncle Tom and Coon. So uh there's always learning experiences in every venue that you have to venture in. You just have to pay attention to them. I've never accused you of being a cone. And look, there's a history behind uh, our people being called a cone. But no, uh, Brother L.A., look, we don't agree on everything. And I've never called you a cone. There are some disagreements, but you know what? I can disagree with you, but I don't have to be disagreeable. Because, look, we all we all want to get to the same place. We all want to get where we are self-determining, self, uh, self, uh, you know, self-providing uh, for ourselves. And, look, the thing is, is this. If we don't think as a group and we don't organize around who we are, then we're going to be confronted with this. But I've never been – look, I've never called you a fool. There might be some disagreement on how we get there. But in the end, we can always come to a meeting of the minds, you know. But no, I would, I would never well, do that to a brother. Never. I'm, uh. I'm sorry if I, if I accuse you of that. But Warren, I've heard that word come from black folks so much toward me. You sound like everybody's saying it. What do you think, Fetcher? <laughs> but not me. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we all been called names. Yeah, but anyway, Connie, you got the floor, so continue with your comment. Well, my thing is this. Once you, once you, uh, once you live by those principles, self, uh, what is it, um, survival of the fittest and self-preservation, then you're going to do those things that, and I know somebody might have some disagreement with this, but you're going to provide for those things for the survival of your race. And that is food, shelter, food, clothing, shelter, transportation, and health care. And once you do that, you're going to, you're going to want to be survival of the fittest, which means you're going to protect it. And you're going to control well, the space Connie, that you're Connie, 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 Let, protect it. Now, I'm glad you, as a matter of fact, that, that probably might be a whole series of podcasts on once you, I mean, as you're building, uh, or even before you start to build, because we have a we have a lot of people, and just not black folks, that talk about you know have a victim mindset or a, a blame mindset. And pleasant, you brought this up maybe a week or so ago, with the just as for illustration purposes, with Black Wall Street, I've never heard anybody have a discussion about. They did. They have a plan on how to protect what they built, because going forward, we need to. We really need to discuss that. Once you build something, what are you going to put in place to protect it? You are absolutely right, and Connie, I was thinking about that earlier, and it slipped my mind as many times things do. But there's history after history after history events that show that people have to have the ability to protect what they build. Feed, house, clothes, educate, medicate, and the ultimate is you have to be able to defend it. If not, you got idiots, ignorance, ignoramuses, racists, and everything else that's out here that uh, they're going to exist 
and they're going to try to tear it down if they can, if you let them. Right. They're going to exist. Bianca's right. They're going. That's in nature. Predators exist. That's a given. So you got That's to true. have a plan. Because I'm tired of the podcast and the vlogs, particularly on YouTube. All right, you talk about white supremacy. You talk about man, stop talking about what they did 400 years ago or 100 years ago, and give me something. That's why I'm glad Cousin brought it up. But nobody talks about a plan because some people talk about I would like to build a black Wall Street. Well, last night, what's your plan for protecting it along the way? Because somebody, like you said, from within or without, somebody is going to try to destroy it. That's just the nature of the beast, no matter what color you are. Let me jump in right. for one second. One second. You know, I, I wrestled with that when I put infinity together. Is how do we protect it? And I looked at what Black Wall Street. One is I was born and raised in a community where we didn't have locks on our doors. I grew up until I left Arkansas. There were no locks on my father. How did I do this? I did it because I looked at the capitalistic system and what it offered people with a vested interest. Now, to protect something, you've got to have an interest in it. So I started to do a membership drive to where, and then I organized people around the membership drive to have. Every somebody that had a vested interest in any state in every state in America to organize around that system. There has to be a system in place to where people have a vested interest to protect their interests. It's not hard to do. You don't see you don't see Jews and Italians and everybody pose or go run run around trying to protect their properties. So you have to have a group of people with a protective interest in a community, in a city, uh, in the state, in the county, to protect what they have a vested interest in. It's not us. You have to understand what a vested interest offers to individuals within that community. That's it. Connie? Brother Elliot. Brother L.A., that's yeah. why I, that's why that man's voice is a is a, a voice in the wilderness of confusion because he gave you the answer. Once, look, when a man builds a house and he has a family in it, he's going to do everything it takes to protect that house and his family because he has a vested interest. And he wants to make sure whatever he's built, he's going to protect it. Now, you can go a step further with that. You have an attorney here in, in the middle of the conversation. There are laws that's on the books that we can, that people can use to protect certain things and politics. You, know, you always talk about Claude Anderson with politics. You can use all of those methods to do what you need to do. But in the end, Brother L.A., and you know, a lot of people don't like for me to say this, you're going to have to have your own security force within your area. Now, 
You have people that's organized in our communities right now for the wrong reasons. You have the gangster disciples, you have the peace stone rangers, you have the crips and the bloods and everything else. But if those people are properly trained around their identity, you can have some of those people, young people that are confused, to come in and create a security uh, a security company like, what do you call these uh, these uh, people that guard uh, that guards these banks and everything. They have these trucks and everything. Oh, security guards. Security guards. Yeah, the, the pictures. Yeah, you can you can have a mile you can have a mile organization of that because every time I go in a store in the cities, they have some security guards at the door. They are armed, but the thing is, you know, you can go to that point where you can get them registered to be armed if necessary, just to protect your property. And they could you know, Connie, you just named what you just named is an industry that, and I'm talking about for black neighborhoods, uh, but these civic organizations, civics, yes, neighborhood civic, that can be developed, really developed into an industry in this country because in South Africa, they, they're doing that, what you just said right now. They don't depend on the local the police department. That's secondary. Their first line of defense, and this, we were talking about in the black, well-to-do neighborhoods of South Africa, they have private security. That's, That's the right. first line okay. of defense. And we That's need right. that right here in this country. So I, I'm continue on. I'm glad you brought that up. Well, I've seen it work when I was in Baltimore. Uh, there was a Jewish community. There was a rash of robberies going on in their neighborhoods. And what they did, they went to the police force and said, look, you aren't able to to the root of this problem. So we're going to hire a private security firm to come in and patrol our neighborhoods, and they're going to augment what you're trying to do because you have a whole city that has to be protected, but we just want our specific area to be protected. And what happened right. is, uh, they now they thought it was black people doing the robbery. Come to find out, it was one of their own doing the robbery. But that was set up. Now you might have a problem with black people wanting to do that, because I don't know if you remember when you was in D.C. or not. Um, the H, what is a hood hard uh, the Nation of Islam to go in and provide security for those projects. I, I remember that. Were, I remember one of those locations where they were at. And they 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 cleaned up that that one particular complex. That's right. Mm-hmm. And they saw that it worked. So what they did was the Jews went to Congress and said, "Look, you got to get these people out of here, because what they're doing is proselytizing those people." Well, what happened? Is they brought order to that particular area in a way that the police couldn't. But see, a lot of people don't want us to live in peace amongst one another. And that's another that's another discussion that we have to have. But sometimes we have to take it upon ourselves, like we've been discussing this morning, to go in and be proactive in things that we need to do in our communities in order for us to survive. But that's the only way that you do it. Number one, you use some small lawyers to go in and use whatever laws are on the books to do what we need to do. The other thing is, like Claude Anderson say, you buy some politicians or you support some politicians. And the other thing is you come up with soft and hard type security uh, apparatuses in your community to do what you need to do. But 
you go right back to what the Honorable President Stephen said and look, everybody has to, ever who wants to have a vested interest, that's where it all starts at. Because if you don't own nothing, you don't respect nothing. And that's what our right. problem is. We don't own nothing. So, hey, you don't care whether it, it, it's uh, taken care of or, or maintained or ever what have you. And, you know, I get off and let somebody else go in and rebuff or add to or whatever to what I've said. Well, you know, what he said well, is, is right because when uh, <clears throat> they opened up the Malcolm X school in Detroit, and it was a vacant school building that they chose to use it in because it beginning to expand. And 60 Minutes done a piece on that when the school buses was taking kids to those schools, driving through a white uh, neighborhood, how the whites used to stand on the sidewalk and throw rocks and stuff at the uh, school buses. So the Nation of Islam provided uh, their people to form a ring around the school all day long and uh, provide their protections. So, yes, you got to have that. You got to have, I would also have an ordinance that uh, every household has to have a weapon and they have to be adverse on the use of that weapon. That's what Sweden has for the whole country. In Sweden, every resident have to know how to use a weapon and an automatic weapon at that. So uh, that's, you, you know, got to have these things. There's a law. There's a law that's on the books that we haven't discussed. And the law has been around for, for ages. And that's stand your ground law for every household for your own protection. As the young man just stated a few moments ago, when you build a house, you have a family, you have a car, what do you do? You protect your vested interests. That's the bottom line. And that's the way this organization has been built. You have a vested interest to protect your interest in everything that you put your, your sweat in, your money, and to protect how it's going to grow. Yes. Stand your interest. You know, a lot of people don't like to look at the standing ground law, but it's there for your protection. Now that, that's different in different states, so isn't it, Warren? Uh, yes, you have to. Every every you know every state, Texas has a standing ground law, but it's very different than Florida. So I mean, if you pull what you what what is, what's been happening in Florida here in Texas, you might find yourself in prison. So you have to be very careful. Uh, but every state has, uh, well, I know some states have stand your ground law. Look at how it's written let, on the books. Let me, let me put it like this. When I, was, when, I, when I had my businesses, when I had my gas stations and my lounges, I had in my, in my lounge, I had a sawed-off shotgun under the counter, and I had sheriff's police to come in and do parties on weekends. And I had the sheriffs that came in with their pistols on, to put their guns in the back room and lock them up. And they said, we're not supposed to pull off our guns. I said, well, you pull it off in here because then for one person in here is going to have a gun and that's going to be me and I'm not going to be trying to have shoot up everybody and somebody come up and ask for food. I said, you can pull them off or you can leave. That law is still on the books in Chicago that you have a business, you can protect it with your gun and and 
to have everybody else in there take their guns off if they have them, mm. if they have the right to carry a gun. You right know, fetch it. There was a nightclub down there in the southern, in around East St. Louis near the stockyards. <clears throat> when I used to go in, I had to take my gun out and put it in a box amongst other guns before they allowed us to go in. <laughs> mm. but, uh, hey, so people, look, we, we're, we're out of time for today, people. We'll be back tomorrow. We got Thanks, Juan, for being the special guest. Thanks for everybody calling. We got Chef Amadeus tomorrow. We're going to pick back up on this. Um, Probably Monday, you know, because like you said, once you build something, you got to protect it. So on that note, everyone have a good rest of the day.